Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Sud Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. Welcome to the Gridiron Stud Show, Monday edition, weekend wrap edition. Wow, Emil Calamino, what a wild weekend. It started for me Friday night, rolled into Saturday afternoon. My goodness, uh, a Pepto-Bismol kind of weekend for me, Emil. Yeah, you had a, a couple close calls, but when you win, they're fun. Yeah, oh, definitely. Uh, they They both worked out. The way that uh, you hoped, but my goodness, it took every last second of both games. And what I'm talking about is Friday night, I, as you know, most of our listeners know, I'm a defensive coordinator and coach at American Heritage High School. And we had a rematch in the second round of the playoffs against Cardinal Gibbons. Uh, I'm on record for saying I really do hate rematches. If you won the first one, uh, very, very difficult to beat a very good uh, football team twice in the same season, as uh, many NFL teams find out every year, as uh, some college football teams find out. Um, And so we had that situation and uh, ended up being a 10-7 football game, Um, a a defensive struggle, a defensive battle. Actually, uh, Cardinal Gibbons scored their seven points on our offense as we fumble a ball when we had our backs against the wall in the end zone, fumble a ball into the end zone, and they recovered it, making it a 7-3 game at the time. And then uh, offense got their uh, act together, got physical, drove the ball straight down the field in the uh, fourth quarter, punched it in, and then uh, defense was on the field twice at the end of the game and, and uh, pulled it off that way. So uh, that was Friday. Saturday, uh, travel to Baton Rouge really early in the morning for a, uh, a 12 o'clock start out in uh, Louisiana as LSU uh, played a road game in their stadium. Figure that one out. But <laughs> nevertheless – uh, Florida's there in some home orange in, in Baton Rouge, in Tiger Stadium. And that one is uh, knuckle to knuckle all the way down, Emil, to the last yard and last second. And, you know, by now everyone's seen it. Uh, uh, LSU lines up for that final play. It's their signature play in their offense, turn around, toss to the, to the running back. And, uh, you know, it's very difficult to stop LSU from getting a yard. Uh, with, you know, their yeah. offense, their offensive line, and their running backs. But somehow, some way – um, Florida's defense came up with the stop and it was bedlam, at least in the Florida section right there. Um, and Florida with that win, um, clinches the, the SEC East and crushes the hopes of the Tennessee fans that have been less than, um, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Less than professional. Uh, what's the word? 
But I can't classy. even say that for fans. They didn't, they didn't keep it. They didn't keep it very classy. No, yeah. no. For five, six weeks now, whatever it's been since Florida played Tennessee, the Volunteer fans have uh, been all over Florida fans and players, um, predicting that they would still win the the East, even though they had took taken a couple of losses after. Uh, beating Florida, and uh, they were pretty damn sure Florida was going to lose to LSU and set things up for them. Well, I'll tell you, the way that uh, the way the game ended up there, you, you, obviously, just not just the last drive. If you watch that game, for folks out there, didn't I don't know how much you know the audience watched the Florida LSU game. The Florida defense won that game hands down, not just on the obvious last drive. LSU made five trips into the red zone in that game and came away with ten points. So, you know, that was clearly uh, the Florida defense stepped up. And, you know, the offense did enough, I guess, to, to, you know, help the defense. But really, that was the defense that won that game. Yeah, I mean, outstanding defensive performance. Kind of what you would expect between these two teams. The defense's headline. You know, LSU and Florida are a lot more similar than people care to realize. Uh, uh, You know, conservative, I guess, is the word you could use offensively. Um, kind of put things on the on the shoulders of the defense, and both teams really, really did that. And then, uh, you well, know, I mean, it was and, it was predictable so so much so that on Friday's show, if you dial up the archive, I said, yeah, this game will be a seventeen thirteen game. Someone will win it. Yeah, great call pretty by close. you. Ends up sixteen ten. I mean, pretty damn close to to how it went down. Um, and, and so it ended up being a defense needing to make a stop at the end, and that's exactly what happened. So. Uh, in the Let me ask you a question about LSU before we get off this game and move along here talking football because there's a lot to talk about. You know, I I know LSU keeps getting, uh, what do you call them, charity points in the polls for their schedule because they're 6-4 and four right now. And, you know, you go down their schedule, they lost to, you know, the number seven or eight team in the country, whatever poll you're looking at, Wisconsin beat them in the opener 16-14. They lost that game against Auburn, where where the call was at the end, and they reviewed it, and they didn't. What well, the guy wasn't in. They lost eighteen thirteen. Alabama beat them ten nothing, and of course Saturday's game. Um, I understand that that there's some tough losses there, but at what point do you stop giving them credit for for you know close? Usually that only counts on like horseshoes and hand grenades. I mean, I'm looking at the rest of the schedule here, and I'm saying, well, they got wins against Jacksonville State, Mississippi State, Missouri, Southern Miss. A bad Ole Miss team, as we found out at this point, they're not very good. And finally, Arkansas, I'll give them credit. That was a nice win on the road. But, I mean, yeah, they have a lot of close calls, but don't you have to win some of those before we we give them credit? I guess. But, you know, uh, there's been more of an emphasis put on, 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 you know, toughness of schedule, I've noticed, this year in the rankings, maybe more than any other year. And so they're – going to continue to get credit for that they've got another tough game on thursday against uh texas a&m and you know depending on what happens there one of these two teams is out of the top 25 um and 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 may be so for the remainder of the year unless they do something spectacular in the bowl game but i guess uh, you know the, when florida lost to arkansas they were all the way out of the top 25 and i could guess i could understand that because their schedule not as tough as lsu so i guess one more week is the answer to your question they get one more week well, well yeah i mean it's kind of i mean it's not a huge question that's going to keep any of us up at night i'm just always curious i mean i i give a lot of points for strength to schedule and had they won one or two of those games i noted i i'm saying okay they got a big win in there and and, and a, a couple tough losses but at some point you have to me I say, well, yeah, that's great. You're close at the end, and you always figure out a way not to win. But at the end of the day, 
uh, can you win one of them before I give you credit for it? That's all I'm saying. I mean, yeah, it's a very difficult schedule. You know what's nice about that whole section of the, the, the Southeast Conference? There's four good teams there that have a great rivalry because of proximity. LSU, Louis, obviously Louisiana, Miss, the Mississippi schools, Arkansas, and South Texas with A&M. So this A&M-LSU game, really, you know, now that they're in the same conference, is a rivalry game. I mean, those schools are close enough that, that that's going to be very hard for LSU to get up for that game, I think. Well, after, I mean, that's a big thing about uh, what football happened. in the South in general. Uh, a lot of these schools are close together uh, as opposed to when yeah. you head out West. And I just know that from doing the recruiting trips, um, you know, once you start up and, and you head out of Florida, you're going to bump into a bunch of SEC schools, which we've often done. You go to Georgia, you can hit LSU, you can hit Auburn and Alabama and Tennessee and LSU and, and, uh, and, and all of these schools, uh, and you can do it in a week. You can almost hit the whole damn Pac-10, and, and I mean the whole SEC in 10 days if you wanted to. So, um, oh, yeah, that's well, kind of, that's kind of why I'm, a, you know, not just the quality of the football. It's always drawn me to liking to watch SEC games is the way the East and the West are situated. They actually make geographical sense, and the games I just highlighted uh, in the West are basically all rivalry games, you know, with Auburn and Alabama filling out the rest of those teams I talked about. And then you go to the East, and, of course, like you said, you've got Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee right there. So I like the way the conference is laid out. The Pac-12 – is more in pods. I mean, in other words, the, I call it the California pod, where you have USC, UCLA, Stanford, and Cal. All those games are good rivalry games. You've got the Pacific Northwest pod, where you have the Washington and Oregon schools. And then you have what is the great Southwest pod, where you have the Arizona schools with Utah and Colorado. So really, it's not. It's more in that conference, because it's so spread out, you've got four pods that make up the 12, versus the SEC, where they're kind of nicely split geographically and you have some great rivalry games just a little yeah well florida and lsu is <laughs> certainly not the uh, only interesting thing that went on in college football today and we'll get to all of those things in uh, our next segment as well as uh you know nfl football plenty of things to talk about your cowboys continue to do great things the seattle seahawks are starting a surge uh in college football um you know there were some records broken there were some things done and uh, we do need to talk about a top five. You know, I noticed, Emil, that there, you know, what matters is the college football 14 playoff, but a lot of people want to debate the top five and six. I've noticed those two numbers being the things that people want to talk about. So you and I will be able to do that in the next segment. Okay. Yeah. We can so do we'll, that. We'll, we can we'll do whatever you want to do. You're in charge here. Oh, is that right? I'm, I'm in charge. Well, it's a, it's a good thing. Um, and, yeah, we'll talk about some of the other individual performances, some strange things that go on in college football from week to week that, uh, you know, draw my attention. But, nevertheless, um, there, are, there are some things on, in both college and NFL football that we need to talk about. There was a game last night, Emil, and um, I, I'm not sure what to make of uh, what's going on up there in, in Wisconsin. And we're talking about the National Football franchise that hails from that state. Things are just starting to fall completely apart up there, and we're going to have to talk about it. I think it's something uh, we've kind of seen coming, but not to these levels. I'm a little surprised by just how far the wheels have fallen off uh, the wagon up there at, at Green Bay. So I don't know where they where they go. Yeah, well, there, I noticed that. We'll talk about that, I guess, in that segment when you, when we get to it. But, man – there's some things I know I, I kind of mentally jotted down I wanted to go over with you and the audience and see what you get your thoughts on it. But 
it's more than just the defense there, and the defense has its issues with injuries and just poor performances, but um, there's more going on there than just the defense. Yeah, it seems, and so it's gonna they're going to need some some – some doctors, some head doctors up there to kind of figure out what's going on with the Packers franchise. Um, Charlie Strong, it's since 1938. It's been that long. It's been that long since Kansas football could say they beat the Texas Longhorns, and that's happened. It happened on Saturday, and uh, Charlie Strong has, you know, not survived that. We all knew this was coming, but uh, this kind of put the exclamation point on uh, Charlie Strong's tenure at Texas, so he's going to be out of there. They're going to have him coach the final game. You agree or disagree with that? Um, if he's if he was you know up for doing it, which I'm assuming he had a say in it, because obviously they're not going to want a malcontent coaching the game. I I think the kids probably like him, um, and and would you know would. would We'll, we'll want to go out and play hard for him that game. I have a prediction for Charlie Strong. I think his next gig, wherever, if he picks the right job, you, you're, you, he's going to learn a lot from this. And I think Charlie Strong eventually is is going to be a really good head coach. And to the point you've always made, he's going to. I think he learned something from this, and the, among a lot of things he learned. But I think he learned picking the right job is almost as important as what you do when you get there. Oh, and absolutely. I think he picked, uh, I, I yeah, think I think, I think he picked the wrong job. Yeah. yeah, he's you know, and if he spent any time talking to his buddy Urban Meyer, um he's probably the best at doing that. So I'm sure they've had some phone conversations or, you know, some face-to-face conversations and uh I think Charlie Strong's going to be very careful about that next opportunity. Maybe that's something we could do during the college football segment that's coming up. We'll play uh program and and hire some college coaches we'll uh we'll fix up the carousel we'll make everything right and we'll have to do that when we get back on the gridiron stud show stay with us college football talk is coming up here on the gridiron stud show we'll be right back Sure, someone's gone, winter's here. But that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, t-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, you can do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. 1-857-85-PAPER. T-ShirtSupplies.com. Go there now. 
Are you a property owner or want to be one, but you don't have time for property management? Then get an MVP on your team. Who has time for the letting process, for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning, dealing with deposit negotiations, and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance? No one's got time for that. MVP does, though. Get this MVP on your team. You can rely on MVP Property Management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MY-MVP-CC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen. Back here on the Gridiron Stud Show, college football uh, was running wild. College football over NFL football right now. Emil, we still there? Is that where we're at? Yeah, I mean, by and large, I think if you're just looking for a slate of games and you don't have a rooting interest, I think you you've better chance of finding something that piques your interest in the uh, college game. Although, you know, the NFL, like I said to you on the show Saturday, there's a few games, I think, every weekend that we're interested in in the NFL. But then because of the way the league is, with a lot of it just kind of mushed in the middle there, you get a lot of games where, unless you're a fan of that particular team, I think you find yourself kind of like not drawn to them maybe. You know, you're just sitting there going, okay. This, uh, stat, this uh, weird stat that this is the first time every team playing on Thanksgiving in the NFL this weekend will be at or above 500 since 1993. I guess that's a good thing. That's a great, I mean, I was just saying that. It's funny. Before we got on air, I was talking to a buddy, and I said, you know, boy, for once we've got a, a nice uh, slate of games for, for Thanksgiving. So, uh, you know, that that's pretty cool. You know, we're going to have you know, three three really good football games throughout the day, or at least, you know, they, which should be good football games. So that's something to look forward to. And the college game, as you mentioned earlier, we have Texas A&M playing LSU. There's a, there's a really good college game at night. So we've, we have some good football ahead of us uh, with our turkey and burping. Yeah, well, well, there you go. Uh, on Saturday, Emil, Dalvin Cook became the all-time leading rusher at Florida State. Uh, rushed for 225 yards in a game against Syracuse. He did so in uh, less of amount of time than the previous record holder, Warwick Dunn, did. Uh, Warwick took four years. And there's still games left. For Dalvin Cook to play you know he's 
third all-time in the ACC. Uh, I don't know if he'll catch the, the number one guy, but he's averaged more yards per season than any other ACC running back. Right now, Emil, is, is Dalvin Cook the best running back in college football? Uh, he's, I, I think both the best running back in college football, and a lot of people will fight me on this. I think the best pro prospect. Um, as good as Fournette is at LSU talent-wise, he seems to get dinged up a little bit. Now, I don't know if that's just bad luck or that's going to be his his history moving forward in the NFL, but I, I just yeah, – I think you some know, of that is used as also, uh, the way he's used at LSU. I mean, they really sure. use the hell out of tailbacks over there, so – yeah, well, you ain't you ain't drafting him and not using the hell out of him in the NFL. I mean, you know, any, he's going to be a bellwether, a guy that size, that kind of speed. He's going to be an Ezekiel Elliott, and if you can't handle 25 carries a game, um, <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm telling you, his usage is not going to go down. And Cook, I mean, I think he can do so many things to hurt you on, on a field. You know, he's good in the passing game. He's tough. Um, he, he's got speed. He's, I mean, I, I see I him just, almost I love just like game. Ezekiel Elliott, to be honest with you. That seems like the same exact guy yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I can't comment on him, that I just because I don't watch them enough to understand, you know, maybe you could, be, and you'll watch a little bit probably a film going into the game this week. I don't, I don't know what he does in pass protection. I mean, is he, if, he, if he's good on blitz pickup and that kind of stuff, because that's important in the NFL. You Cole, know, you know, a lot of rookie... Cole, he's not consistent yeah. there. He'll have his games where he just he's not into it for whatever reason. Then there are times he'll just stone a guy um, and have a good game in pass protection. So it's, you know, there's an area of weakness. There's some inconsistency there, but uh, he more than makes up for it with the rest of his game. Oh yeah, to me, to me, if I'm, you know, get, I mean, you know, I was going to point this out to you. Uh, over the years, we've always diminished the value of the running back, and we can talk about this more in our NFL segment. But go take a look this year. At They've the returned to that amount of yes, the amount of running backs that are probably going to have thousand yard seasons. Now, keep in mind for those of you out there, last year, and it's only because I know this off the top of my head, Darren McFadden was fourth in the league in rushing. He had a thousand eighty nine yards. That's not going to be the case this year. There's not going to be – you're going to look, and I bet you we're going to have – if nobody gets any injuries here, we're probably going to have 10 guys, I'm going to say, go over 1,000 yards this year. Um, yeah, and, and it, you know, you brought this up early. I don't remember if it was just in our, uh, in, in our conversations or if it was actually brought up on air, but um, there is a return to the running game. They've finally seen the light. I guess, you know, defenses – have adjusted to the whole spread out, throw the ball around offense, much to the chagrin of a you know an Aaron Rodgers, and folks are returning to the ground game. It always ends up coming back to that. We've had our fads, Emil, as long as you and I have watched the game. Uh, we've had our fads where teams want to jump in. There's always the genius passing game attack scheme that comes out, and you know it's allowed to flourish for you know uh, four years or so, and then there's the return back to the roots, which is you got to own the line of scrimmage and. I think we're starting to head back in that direction. Well, and there's also the yes, that that point is is well taken. There's there's a couple other things that you know. Not that I'm telling you something you don't know. There's the yin and yang of the chess game. So you build rosters, and all of a sudden you got a lot of teams building rosters. You know, a la say the Seahawks, who we both enjoy watching playing for for different reasons. But the Seahawks roster is really built to the NFL game, as it's been. You know constructed the last 10 years which is with a lot of fast linebackers guys that can get you know run in space so to me and i've always said this the kryptonite for the seahawks if you're going to go at them is pound them you got to be able to run now that's easier said than done 
because they've got some talented defensive linemen, but you've got to go right at that defense. And a lot of NFL defenses are set up like the Seahawks where they're trying to look like them, you know, get guys that can run in space and cover people. And I think the, the chess matches, you get GMs and coaches saying, well, that's great. You know, you want to play these small guys at linebacker? I'm going to start pounding you. Yeah, I mean, what's a good landing spot for for uh, a Dalvin Cook, in your opinion? Forget so about where he could be point. taken. I mean, uh, where, would, where would you most like to see him so that he could have the kind of career that we all would hope he would have? Yeah, well, let me put it this way. Here's where I think he could do well. Not that I'd want to see him there. How's that? Because I have a rooting interest. I think a guy like Cook would be such an addition to a team like the New York Giants. Mm. I watch the Giants play. I say to myself, this team is missing something. Yeah, they're seven and three, They've, and all the wins count, but they're the most non-dominant seven wins outside of Miami that I've seen. Seven wins by less than eight points, less than one score. Uh, biggest win of the year is a seven-point win against the Rams. Everything's tough for the Giants, and the reason that is, and I'm not criticizing because seven and three is where you want to be at this point in the year, but everything's difficult because they just don't have a complete offense and it lacks that running game. And to me, a guy like him w- would really open things up for Eli Manning and Beckham and those guys. Yeah, I'm you know I'm one who really believes that. Um, yeah, I know he's won a couple of Super Bowls, but without a running game, Eli Manning is as average as you can be as a quarterback. Give him a running game, then he turns into someone else. So I, I think that would have to be a priority for them, and uh, either a Dalvin Cook or a Leonard Fournette would be a good addition. I've looked at some mock drafts, Amal, and uh, um, you know, I've seen Dalvin Cook a possibility to another NFC East team, and that's the Washington Redskins, who are flowing along pretty good right now and getting uh, a lot out of their quarterback, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, but they've got a lot of capital invested in that position already. You know, Matt Jones has done nothing to disappoint. Kelly last night looked good. I mean, I'm not sure – you know, they've got some issues to address on defense, so I think that they may – it could be. I mean, I don't know. If he falls to them, it could be. But I just think for them, I'd be more defensive if I was the Redskins-oriented. I think they can move the ball just fine the way the way they're going. They, they ran it nice last night. I just, again, I've, I've looked at Manning this year, and, you know, not to – you know, I'm sure we'll get somebody pissed off on Twitter, but – he is about as average as you can be, and that team is 7-3, and three, not because of Eli Manning, almost despite Eli Manning this year. If you go look, he's tried to give away some games. That Monday night game he almost gave away. I mean, against Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, we kind of know what he is there. He needs that pressure taken off of him um, with, with the running game. So we'll kind of see how that goes. But we're here to talk college football Saturday night. Uh, we had a game, the number two team in the country, Ohio State's, tur- tur- you know, Amol are starting to look a little Jekyll and Hyde-ish, if you ask me. Um, not what you expected from them, but you know what I also think? Michigan State may just be that matchup for Ohio State. Um, it, it, they just, I think what they do, especially defensively, creates a problem for Ohio State's offense. That's what I'm just boiling this down to. Well, there's two things with Michigan State. Number one, I know they're in the middle of a wretched season, but it's a proud program. Um, they they are not a school the way they're coached that's just going to quit. Okay, so first of all, and they've got some players there. I mean, it's not like all of a sudden this roster went from winning 10, 11 games to three and all the players stink. Um, Michigan State's been on the wrong end of some close games this year. They lost an overtime game against Indiana. 
a, a close, you know, a decent game against Michigan. They only lost by nine, a close one versus Illinois. So this is a team, number one, could probably have four or five, six wins. They, they seem to write the ship first, Rutgers, which everyone does, I know, but they, they drilled them 49 nothing, And they played really well Saturday. My concern with Ohio State and in this game that we're going to see on Saturday with Michigan is they seem to have two weaknesses that Michigan can exploit. One, their run defense is suspect in certain situations, as Michigan State proved on Saturday, and you don't need it. They didn't have a great quarterback opening things up for that running game. They just ran over them. And uh, Barrett's been all over the map uh, uh, throwing the ball. I mean, his his accuracy has not been great this year. Yeah, uh, it seemed to me, Emil, that both Ohio State and Michigan were distracted uh, ahead of their big meeting this week. I mean, Michigan didn't look especially impressive against Indiana, um, and both teams um, – you know, it's it's interesting that both teams looked unimpressive offensively. It wasn't, it, you know, it wasn't the defense. So perhaps um, they restricted themselves. I mean, there's a there's film available of every game, but you know, what do you make of that? 17 points for Ohio State is usually in the 40s uh, in a game like this, and and Michigan at 20 when they too are also usually in the 40s in a game like this. Yeah, but they ran out the new quarterback. Um, you know, the the kid replacing the kid replacing Spieth. So um, I don't know. I mean, I think they're distracted ahead of a rivalry game like that. Sure. I also think that a lot of people, and again, Ohio State very well may may win this game Saturday. But I think a lot of people are going to get sucked into this trap of Michigan lost their quarterback. They can't beat Ohio State. Michigan, not Alabama, as far as. The, the numbers say has the number one defense in the country. Alabama's number two, and they're within yards of one another. I know that I would take Alabama's defense, but my point is Michigan plays great defense. Whether they had their quarterback or not in this Ohio State game, they were not going to start throwing the ball over the yard. They're going to rely on the running game and the defense. So I, I don't get sucked into that. Michigan's quarterback's out. They can't win this game. I think they went very conservative first, Indiana. They ground out a win, and they got the hell out of there because they want to get ready for Ohio State. And I think Ohio State probably thought they could do the same thing, but that game got a little hairy for them. Yeah, and to your uh, point of getting sucked in, Emil, Ohio State is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this game on on Saturday at high noon, by the way. Uh, They're six-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, You know, you get your three points in a a game like this for being at home, but then there's another three-and-a-half points of cheese put on this thing. I mean, we're not picking games today, but – Line's a little heavy. Yeah, I mean, I got to look at it. I mean, I got to see if we're missing something. But, I mean, you know, on the surface, like I said, I don't see why, you know, everybody wants to have their first quarterback at the end of the year. But I'm not thinking this game was ever going to be played with Michigan's quarterback going out there going 24 or 30 for 350 yards. That's just not the way I would see a Michigan game plan built for this particular opponent, not with the defense they have. And like I said, if Ohio State has, and Ohio State is a good defense themselves, but if they have issues, it is stopping the run. So I always felt this game would be one in the trenches, and that's how Harbaugh likes to win these games anyway. So we'll have to take a look at that as the week goes along, but it's it's, it's an interesting matchup at high noon. Off the top of your head, Amon, what was the most shocking result uh, of any game you saw on Saturday or heard about Saturday? Let me go down them in my mind here and see. Uh, let's see. I mean, I've got mine. That really just 
you got yours? I mean, the the biggest result that shocked me was earlier in the week, obviously, with what Houston did to Louisville. I was kind of taken aback by that. Yeah. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Well, I mean, hey, I'll be honest with you, not to throw not to throw too much uh, sunshine up the gator skirt, as they like to say, but that win at LSU, you know, as 14-point underdogs with the amount of injuries Florida came into that game with to go on the road and win that game shows me something. I mean, let's not forget, they were two touchdown underdogs. It wasn't like there was a four-point spread in that game. That yeah, game and while a, I would be very right there with you, I think I would have been had Oregon not gone to Utah and somehow beat the Utes. I mean, I can't even understand how the hell that happened, and then I can't figure out Utah. I, I mean, I, they've been a strange team for me this year, but that's – I don't well, even I'm understand. Well, I'm going to tell you what's happened in that game. This is a case, uh, you know, and, he, and here, here's the problem, both the beauty and the problem for a team like Utah. Utah doesn't have the talent on their roster, per se, to just overlook an opponent. Because if you look at Utah, generally, they're going to play defense. They're going to play do well in the specials. They're not going to turn the ball over. They play close. I mean, they beat BYU by one. They beat SC in a comeback by four. They lost by five at Cal. They won by five at Oregon State. They won by seven against UCLA. They lost by seven to Washington. You get the gist? Every game is right there with Utah. So if they're not going to be focused, a team like Oregon, who has been awful this year, can slip in there and catch them. I think Utah got caught already thinking about the matchup next week with Colorado, which they anticipated would be for the Pac-12 South title which it will be only if Colorado wins <laughs> so um yeah right um exactly how that's going to go I'm I'm going to put the Pac-12 down as the wildest power five conference this year just absolutely um craziness going on there uh between Washington State's run uh between Washington being stronger than everyone expected um to the way USC has turned things around to UCLA's flop to Utah and Oregon. I mean, it's just nothing, the most unpredictable conference all season long. Well, you know what's interesting to me about that conference, and I contrast it with the SEC, I think most people generally year in, year out, will tell you that they have the them one and two. I mean, sure, you can make arguments in certain years, and maybe this year you, you slide the Big Ten up or get over the Pac-12, although I'm not sure about that. Let's see if we get some bowl matchups. But what's interesting to me is, in the Pac-12, the schools that struggle, say like this year, California and Oregon, both two and six in the conference, they both went and beat Utah. Utah's got three losses, but two of them are schools like that. And I guess where I'm going with that is sometimes the bottom of this conference will will step in and pull the upset, whereas in the SEC, I think it's so top-heavy that rarely do you see the Missouris, Vanderbilts, or Kentuckys win unless they're playing one another if I'm making any sense to you. No, I, I, you know, I get that. Um, but this, you know, I think it's been fun to be honest with you. And I'm kind of want to see, um, how this thing shakes out. Can some of these teams that have jumped up on the scene here sustain, um, what it is they've been able to put together this year, Washington state being the most notable. I think Washington is, is kind of here for the long haul unless they lose Peterson somehow, but, um, going to be, you want to hear an interesting one. I just, I just heard if, um, if the Pac-12 champion makes the the playoff, which that would have to be Washington winning their last two games against Washington State and then the the title game, if they make the playoff, 
the Rose Bowl is free to choose whomever they like, and they, they said there's a high probability that will be USC. Yeah, wouldn't that be interesting? I mean, it's the right thing to do. Right now, USC is as hot as anyone in the country, and uh, you can't um, – I mean, you can't hold – the first part of this season against them. I mean, since, since your boy has become the quarterback, Arnold, uh, um, the, the, this has been a totally different football team. So, uh, yeah, I know you follow the conference closely. Lay this out for me. Uh, lay it out for our listeners. What's, what are the championship, Pac-12 championship game scenarios, and which one is most likely in your It's actually not that complicated. It's, it's actually a thing of beauty. With Utah's loss, it makes it much easier because there would have been a three-way tie had they beaten Colorado on Saturday had they not lost this previous Saturday, and that then you get into the tiebreakers and everything else. But as it stands right now, top of the conference, we've got in the north, Washington and Washington State, Sitting there at seven and one, they're going to play. For, I think it's Friday. I want to say is that game Friday or is that they moved it Saturday? Anyway, they're going to play in the Apple Cup. Winner of that game wins the North Division, goes to the title game. In the South, USC's put a mark up. It's they're in the clubhouse, as they say in golf. They're seven and two, uh, and they defeated Colorado earlier in the season, so they have the tiebreaker. Colorado seven and one. They play five and three Utah at Colorado Saturday at. 3.30, I believe that game is Eastern time. Uh, Colorado wins. They miraculously win the South, and McIntyre should get every coaching award this year, and they play Washington in the title game. They lose. We get a USC-Washington rematch in that title game. Oh, mm, what, do you, what, what seems most likely here to you? I think Colorado wins um, against Utah. They go, and I, I think as as well as they play this year, I, I I like Peterson in that matchup. If Washington were to beat Washington State, that's a big if. I mean, you know, you don't know. Uh, assuming Washington wins, I would take Washington over Colorado in that game. If I'm Washington, and I can take care of my business Saturday, I'll be honest with you. If I'm them, I'm rooting for USC for one reason and one reason only. They could potentially win a game with Colorado, and because Colorado doesn't carry the name cachet, the way this shakes out in the playoff, they could end up on the outside looking in. I think if they were to beat Washington State, and assuming USC does what we think they'll probably do to Notre Dame, USC comes in at 9-3 and three on an eight-game winning streak, a win there for Washington to avenge their only loss would probably go a long way to getting them into that playoff. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm, not so, I'm not so sold that um, – Colorado's just going to beat Utah. I, I mean, this loss that Utah suffered here might do something for them. And if it does anything positive, um, Colorado's probably in big trouble in that contest. You think so? Because my, my, my question there is this, and I know we both like uh, Kyle Winningham's a good coach. I mean, you can't deny what he's done at Utah. I mean, yes, they've produced some nice pro players, but generally up and down the roster, they're not as talented as the USC's and UCLA's in the South as far as professional talent. Um, I'm wondering what the mindset is of the team. Now, I'm going to give him some points for being a great coach, and I hope he gets them straight as someone who wants my team in the championship game. But can he get them straight for a game that they thought would be for the division title? Because if they had won their last two, they had the tiebreakers. They were going to be the South representative against the, the North. Now they're out of that going into the game. 
How, how do you get that team right for that game, I guess, is my yeah, question Yeah, you. know, just get, somehow make them uh, realize, and they should realize this on their own, just uh, how angry they should be about what went down last week. I, obviously thinking ahead, so uh, they got caught with the proverbial pants down, but uh, I think I think they come into this thing motivated, but what an opportunity for Colorado. All right, and I promised we'd do this, so uh, we're going to do it. Hey, well, let's start talking about some jobs that are going to be open uh, or that we think are going to be open in college football when this season's over because we're getting around that time of uh, year. Uh, I think by next Monday there's going to be some even more clear things done here. But uh, right now we do know Texas is open and LSU is open. Let's play the game where we guess all the other schools that are going to need head coaches uh, when this season is over. I, I think it's safe to say Houston. Can we say that? Well, yeah, the dominoes should fall, and I think it's pretty clear right now. I mean, the only people who, you know, is there anybody who, who follows football that doesn't realize that there's probably a 99% chance that uh, Herman is the next coach at Texas? So, yes, Houston will need a coach. Even though I've heard this report that they're trying to put together, the boosters at Houston are trying, like all hell, to put together major, major money for, for Herman to try and keep him and to build a facility that he so wants so that he, you know, has convinced them that's needed so they can compete for national championships. I'm not really buying Well, that Houston, one. by the way, that school has a ton of money down there. Um, the money, I think, is not going to be the issue. Here's what, he, if I'm him, if I'm going to play this out, I'm going to get max money, first of all. Then once I get that, I want some kind of commitment from Houston that they're going to bust their tail to get into the Big 12. Well, I think uh, that's, I mean, that's not on them. I'm sure they would do any and everything to get into the Big 12. It's the Big 12, and those people there that make decisions which scratch make me scratch my head have decided not to 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 bring on two teams, uh, let alone a Houston. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because if you look at you know we've talked about this anymore. Conferences really don't get the way they're laid out is not geography. It's laid out by television markets. Okay, when the Big 12 lost A and M to the SEC what the SEC gained was the South Texas market, which they wanted over there because it, it piggybacked nicely, as I spoke about in the last segment, with LSU and Arkansas. It all ties together nicely for them now. And they got Missouri to go up into the Midwest. Well, you, you look at the Big 12, right? They have a, you know, a giant air ball in that market, so to speak. I mean, they've got North Texas corralled with, with, with TCU and Texas and Baylor, and they've got West Texas with, 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 with Texas Tech. And then, you know, Oklahoma is kind of almost North Texas. South Oklahoma is just right there in that, you know, Metroplex area. They have nothing down there. To me, Houston makes perfect sense. They replace Texas A&M in that TV market. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's not the discussion that we've got here. But apparently they're trying to put that money together. No, but I'm trying to know. tell you what I would do if I'm Herman to stay there. I'm not staying there to keep playing in that conference. Uh, I don't think tech, I don't think Houston's going to be able to compete with Texas money and whatever they throw his way, and it just kind of seems like that's where Herman's going to end up. So Texas, Houston, LSU. I'm going to throw uh, I'm going to throw FSU in there. I'm going to throw FSU in the mix, and you know why? I think, uh, and it's been reported, uh, you know, rumor of course, that Jimbo Fisher is the number one guy on LSU's list. I'm going to tell you, the only reason I'm hesitant to say that is it's got to be a pure money play for him because at this point, if you look at his roster and, and, and the, you know, the ages and the guys playing right now, 
I dare say he might have his most talented teams in the next couple of years. Um, I would say this. You had a Heisman Trophy winner. You won the national mm-hmm. championship and a Heisman Trophy with this guy. Um, you've had the best running back in the school's history, uh, cur- probably as we mm-hmm. talked about currently in all of college football. You're going to lose that as well. I don't know that you can get better than that. And you had both of those guys. You had the best running back and, and quarterback on your team at the same time, and now they're gone. Man, Amo, these things are almost like once-in-a-lifetime thing. I've told you about, uh, you know, how coaches need to leave when you have a Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback and you win a national championship. Time to move on, set up shop elsewhere. Um, I just feel like that might be the move for Jimbo Fisher, but we're neither here or there. Okay, well, one job that some... I know is going to be open. What's that? Arizona. I mean, Rich Rod's not staying there. They're not keeping him there. It's just not going to happen. Well, first of all, I think I think we should focus on the four because Arizona is going to be open. Rich Rod, is, you're right, he's not staying. But us trying to prognosticate the Arizona coach because let's face it, Arizona is probably going to get a guy, an up and comer in one of the you know the the other five conferences that's you know made his mark and you know either the MAC or you know the Mountain West. They're going to steal somebody like Western that. Michigan's you know, coach maybe, maybe something like that. Exactly, you know. Could be that, but I think that's hard. I think for us, where I'd like to focus is okay. Let's let's move the dominoes as you suggest. Let's Herman goes to Texas, which seems pretty obvious. Hey, in the at this interest point. of good radio, Amal, I think we need to start throwing some names out of some schools who you know uh, people may not be talking about losing a coach, but is, there's a possibility. Let's let's play that game, and then we could. You want well? Let's go by well. conference. Let's go straight down the big conferences. You take a look at the Atlantic and the. Uh, ACC, give me give me a coach. There's anybody on? I mean, Syracuse just hired a coach. I can't see Boston College uh, getting any, you know, getting rid of anybody. I think they're everybody in that. No, as I fly through this conference, you know what? Since we since they kind of uh, have semi half a foot in the conference, uh, Notre Dame. I've said this all year long. It just seems like Brian Kelly's been coaching um, in a kind of a way where he's distracted, perhaps about another opportunity somewhere. I'm not convinced he's there at the end of the year. No, I agree with you. I I didn't think so at first, but I watched him. I saw I was in a sports bar when that game ended. I had left my house, did a couple things with my wife, and we stopped in a place to eat then. And, uh, you know, it was 31-21 Notre Dame. And I get there, and I see him walking off the field in in that loss. And that was just a bad loss. And he had the look of a guy, it's probably too strong for me to say, didn't give a damn. But he didn't look as as, as upset as I would expect him to be. He didn't. He wasn't. You know, he didn't have veins popping out of his neck or anything. He kind of just looked resigned to the fact that uh, he just doesn't think his team's that good, or as you say, he's maybe going someplace else. But that was a bad home loss. Get outscored thirteen nothing in the fourth quarter and lose at home when you take yeah, a ten so point gonna, lead in. We're gonna lob Notre Dame onto the firewood right here, and and then I don't see anything else in the ACC that's pressing that could possibly happen. If if anything else happened, would be shocked. Sliding over to the Big 12, Amal, we all talked about what happened to Charlie Strong. Thoroughly embarrassing. You lose to Kansas for the first time in, I don't know, you do the math, however long 1938 was ago. But a worse thing, I think, happened. Maybe even a worse thing happened in this conference. Iowa State. I mean, what's Iowa State been in the Big 12? Um, Nothing. Uh, They've not been anything. And they beat Texas Tech, Amol. This got lost in all the fodder of Charlie Strong and his, you know, uh, press conference saying, yes, I I know what this means. 66 to 10? 
I mean, they, I mean yeah, they're I, you know, playing uh, football in Red Raider land. Yeah, I clings uh Clingsbury could be in some trouble, although, you know, the, the question always becomes, well, who do, do they, who they get out? beside him? Besides him, who? Uh, uh, well, I mean, they got to go try and get somebody, all right? They've lost six of their last seven. Defense is a cuss word out there, and, uh, I mean, it's just his ignoring that side of the ball has just, you know, it's imploded at this point. I get the whole entertainment factor. You say, oh, we're Texas Tech. We're never really going to complete for uh, national championships around here. Let's just entertain the folks. Well, uh, losing to Iowa State is not entertaining, and they've just been god-awful uh, for the, much of the second half of this season. You know it would be awesome if, if you're Texas Tech, and I don't know what their financial situation is in that school. I don't follow them closely enough. If I'm Texas Tech, and don't laugh when I tell you this, I'm going to make a huge play and I'm coming up with as much money as I can scrape together to convince Chip Kelly to come coach my team. Would he bite on that, though? I, you know, and uh, certainly Chip Kelly's name is going to bounce around. Maybe at eight or nine million a year, he wouldn't. I'll tell you one thing: if you're Chip Kelly, that's got to be a conference that's appealing to you because they're playing zero defense in the Big Twelve. You can run that goofy offense and score. And look like the biggest genius ever, huh? Score seventy every week and win at Texas Tech. Could you imagine, you know, because, you know, he's, he went to Oregon, they lost, he left Oregon's back to what they were when you and I were kids at this point, okay? So yeah. everybody assumes he, exactly. he's going like, go to fly into the Go back to the, uh, the really bright green and orange and, and yellow pants, really. Yes, yes, and with Donald Duck on the sidelines or whatever. But, you know, now he goes to Texas Tech and he'd be scoring 55 points a game there because let's face it. In that conference, I mean, nobody's interested in playing any defense. Yeah, interesting. I've not heard his name as strongly uh, for some of these potential openings lately, as, as uh, or at least as much as I thought I would. Sliding over to the Big Let me Ten. throw a name out there for you for the Florida State job. If Either the Florida State or LSU job, depending. If Fisher stays at Florida State, I put this guy for the LSU, and vice versa. I think he could easily potentially be the Florida State guy. How about Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State? Quietly, every year, they're winning nine, ten games. He's got his team in position to win the conference. You know, they're going to play Oklahoma in the Bedlam game. Uh, winner takes the Big 12 title. Um, you know, they're sitting here at nine and two. Couple only real loss was the game that West Virginia beat them uh, 37-20. I mean, the other game was the officiating game with the Central Michigan where the refs didn't know the rules and allowed an untimed play. I mean, the guy could easily be sitting there 10-1 and right now. Yeah, listen, that's a, that's a good one. That's the first name we've really lobbed up there, so I've put him down. I've got a little list going here, Amo. I think we're going to play around with this all the way till the end of the year, but um, I put Gundy there. I like that. Gundy for LSU and FSU, whichever one of those come open. Sliding over into the Big Ten, the two schools here that intrigue me uh, with, with respect to job opening. Um, with the job Franklin's done at Penn State, is there a chance someone tries to pull him out of there? Um, but, you know, yeah, I, I know there's this bias, and I make fun of them just because I'm up here and I like to tweak the fans, but, you know, I have Penn State alum in, the, in my immediate family. I just do it for fun. But Penn State's a pretty big job. I mean, we kind of forget that. Uh, you know, they've been away a little bit. but I mean, I, he's having a great year. Can he look at this and say, look, I captured lightning in a bottle here. Um, maybe one of these other gigs might be where I need to be. 
Although he, the so guy seems let me he's a happy this, guy. Let by me day. flip this on you. Yeah, but let me flip this on you. Let's pretend Michigan and Ohio State don't get realigned, and these guys in the Big Ten continue this silliness in this the way they have these divisions lined up. May I suggest to you that Penn State may be ready to displace Michigan State and send Michigan State back to what they were for much of the last 50 years since the mid 60s, which is yeah, well, not the first time that I've heard you that. I'm not I'm not the first time I've heard you say that. Perhaps that is the case. I'm just throwing that out there you know, as a as a name. Well. Well, yeah, maybe maybe side. Michigan State's headed back to you know seven and five, eight and fourville for a while because remember their rise kind of coincided with Penn State's fall from grace. You look at the rest of that division. You know, Michigan and Ohio State are going to be good every year, almost regardless of who the coach is, unless they get a complete dud. But with those two guys, they're going to be competitive every year. The I got. You. I don't three want to, schools. I don't want to launch into yeah. a long okay. I'm trying to I'm trying to stay focused okay. here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take Franklin's name stay and focused. put it off to the side. I'm going to take it and put it off to the yeah, side. It, it might, come, might come back up later. And then the other one is Paul Christ at Wisconsin. He's done an outstanding job there. Could someone eyeball him as someone to uh, pull on? Uh, now, there's a guy. Yes. I mean, there's a guy that, he, he, you know, he, he, I don't know how happy he is at Wisconsin because Wisconsin's an interesting school. I mean, they've their last 15 years since Barry Alvarez was there, They've been fairly competitive to the point that they're always really good, you know. But you know, somewhere between eight and ten wins every year. Once in a while, they'll even win a few more. Um, there's not a lot of competition on that half of the, you know. If you're him, do you stay there and say, "Listen, I'm in the West here. I mean, I got basically even if Nebraska's good again, I got to beat Nebraska." Look at the. You know where I'm going to pull Minnesota. Throw his name, Amel. I'm going to toss his name onto Notre Dame if if Brian Kelly's out of there. That's just where I'm going to slide. Ooh, well, you know, that's an interesting one. And that's a nice Midwest fit. He seems like a personality that, you know, Notre Dame might like there. That's a good good call. I like that. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to slide that one there. And then we got to figure out a spot for Brian Kelly. Uh, one of our our, you know, our legendary reporters down here in South Florida, Larry Bluestein, uh, has been kind of on the side pushing the whole Urban Meyer uh you know, going to want his dream job at Notre Dame and leave Ohio State for it. Um, you know, how do you feel about that? I, I kind of think maybe that was or is his dream job, but he has to know Ohio State's a better job than Notre Dame right now. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think he also has to know, you know, as good as, as, good, uh, as he is uh, as a coach, um, I think he's got far more opportunities because of the way he's set up to – do what he likes to do in the Big Ten because of the the schedules, the name recognition of teams he's playing. I think for Notre Dame playing that bastardized ACC schedule, there could be certain years where you get some matchups that aren't very appealing. I don't know. You know, it's interesting. I mean, money money talks, but I mean, Notre Dame certainly anything they offer him, Ohio State can match. So yeah, or give him more. Thinks, so I'm not. What he thinks of Harbaugh? I wonder what he thinks about Harbaugh's tenure. Does he think it's temporary and if he does well whatever i'll just sit this thing out i'll wait this guy out until he goes back to the nfl because i don't know how far i want to go in the whole recruiting thing if this guy's going to climb trees and sleep over people's house how far do i want to go with this thing um and if i think he's you know long term then maybe Notre dame looks a little better i don't know i'm it urban meyer somebody let me ask you this question when we're on notre dame you know Brian Kelly, I mean, do do we look and say that, you know, Brian Kelly 
still you have to say he's done a fairly good job at Notre Dame. I mean, not, this year notwithstanding, generally he's put them back in the national conversation. He got them 12-1 and a couple of years ago where they lost that title game to Alabama. Uh, last year they were 10-3, and losing a major bowl game to probably what might have been the second most talented team in the country, Ohio State, last year, maybe the first. I mean, the Ohio State had one loss last year, and that was that close three-point game in Michigan State. In other words, Notre Dame was really good last year is what I'm trying to say. So mm-hmm. does, does he get a pass and maybe get considered for an FSU or LSU I don't know that, it's about, LSU I don't know that it's about the administration or the athletic director at Notre Dame. Brian Kelly himself, I'm going to say it again, he's looked distracted. And does he – personally want to move on not Notre Dame sending him out the door no I'm not saying a pass from Notre Dame I don't think Notre Dame's going to fire him at all I'm saying does he get a pass from other schools saying ah he just had an off season I mean is LSU or Florida State whoever has an opening looking oh I've got a play Brian Kelly and you're 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 gonna scratch you're gonna you're gonna hold your head on this one I do have a place for him and I, I think I'm gonna save that coming up matter of fact Let's take a quick break. We'll come back, continue our college football discussion, because this has gotten pretty interesting right here. We'll take a quick break. When I come back, I got a place for Brian Kelly, and you might like it. We'll be back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Just be the self-self-rich Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoff. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! All right, we're back here on the Gridiron Stud Show, Monday edition, weekend wrap edition. 
Uh, it's that time of year, folks. Now is the time to get free health care insurance for you and your loved ones. Primary Care Insurance is now enrolling individuals into their Obamacare insurance plan. So call a date, 954-278-8696. That's correct. Free health insurance Obamacare is now available from November 1st to January 31st. It's urgent that you call, though, 954-278-8696. Tell them you heard it on the Gridiron Stud Show. Open enrollment only comes once a year. This means that the government is willing to pay you for your health insurance needs. So don't miss out on your opportunity. The time to get free health insurance for you and your family is now. So please call 954-278-8696. Again, 954-278-8696. Or visit them on their website, OptimumNationalInsurance.com. That's OptimumNationalInsurance.com. All right, Emil, we've talked, uh, we've kind of messed around with the coaching situations in the ACC, the Big 12, and uh, the Big 10. Let's slide on over to your favorite conference, and that's the Pac-12. Um, you're health and safe at USC. He's gotten things turned around. You know, people wanted to pull the switch on him uh, not too long ago. I don't think I'm going to mess with Peterson because he's not the move-around kind of guy. So, you know, maybe some opportunities come his way. His uh, representatives feel some calls. But I don't see Peterson being the kind of guy that's just going to up and bounce around. He doesn't strike me as that type. But over there in Los Angeles, there's a team that lost in a big matchup this weekend that you've kind of hinted to may, you know, be at the end with their coach. And I think you know who I'm talking about. Mora? Uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. I think I think for Mora, let me put it this way. Here's, here's, here's how I could see this domino falling. I think for Mora to be out at UCLA, UCLA would have to be able to convince Chip Kelly to come coach UCLA. You think so? That would be. That would be. That would be I think something you, that you, UCLA wants something to put them back in. You know, let's face it. Now, the last couple of years have not been good to them. USC looks like they've finally got stability in the program. For all the talk at the beginning of the year, we've had with where Helton we thought might be on the hot seat with Lynn Swan stepping in there. Um, you know, if anything, Helton might get a raise if he wins this next game. I mean, he's, what a year the guys had. Um, right. They have stability. So you're you're UCLA, you're saying we need something flashy. I mean, because right now you're about to go back to the back page in LA football if you don't, and I think Chip Kelly could do that for them. Amo, how about how about this Kelly? How about Brian Kelly? How about putting Brian Kelly in in UCLA powder blue and gold? Now if he's I, I mean I I kinda see that fit right there. Uh, no disrespect again, you know, you're a Yankee fan, so I'll use the old Mets analogy. You know, the Mets are a nice club, but when the Yankees are good, people in New York, unless, you know, generally follow the Yankees and that's kind of how LA is. If you're Brian Kelly, right, you really want to leave Notre Dame to be the redheaded stepchild of Los Angeles. I think sit there and look at the situation, it's, I, I, listen, though he's fared better than his predecessors on all the ones that followed after Lou Holtz. In this current in, in this current climate uh, of recruiting, I think Brian Kelly is realizing what um, the guys before him have realized. It's difficult to maintain at Notre Dame. You may have that one pop-up year, which he did, uh, that ended badly for him against Alabama. But sustaining it is tough because you can't get what you need talent-wise there. And then how long do I want to stay here? Could this be the norm for me going forward? And does my coaching resume take a hit by staying here at Notre Dame? Um, 
or could I get out of here and head over to Los Angeles and try to do something there where my only real enemy is the uh, other local team. And if I can make a dent over there and flip things around, that's a real big boost to my resume. I mean, you had some academic. Well, not only that, at UCLA, I've said this for a long time. At Notre Dame recently. Yeah, you don't have to win 10, 10, 9, 10 games a year at UCLA. You, you could throw an 8-4 and four out there, and as long as you're not getting blown out and you beat USC once in a while, they're happy with you. So there's less pressure. Um, yeah, I mean, I could see, listen, any scenario is possible, but I could see Brian Kelly. I mean, I think you're selling him short. I actually could see Brian Kelly sliding down to Florida State even if that opens up. Sure. Why not? I mean, definitely a possibility. Why not LSU? Why not LSU? They need an offensive coach. If anything, LSU needs an offensive coach. And, and Brian just, Kelly's generally been regarded as a guy who coach I just, I just think it's, you know, obviously they they can't afford to go this route. I just think it's Jimbo a bust there at LSU, or you're going to hire Ogeron. I, I don't think Ogeron's good. I think, the end, I think the end of that game cemented what, what LSU knows about, about their program. Ogeron did what Les Miles would have done. There was nothing creative by his staff in the red zone, nothing creative. You know, you got five trips in there, you get ten points, you get down there to win that ball game, and, and that's what you come up with. I think LSU knows damn well that's probably what Les would have came up with. Maybe Les would have faked the field goal earlier in the game and won it for them. Who knows? I don't think they're going with Ogeron. I think he had to. I think he had to win these last two games to have any chance. Yeah, it seems like he always finds himself in that situation. All right, when I jump over to the SEC, I think there's just been enough turnover there that I don't see anything else happening there. Gus Malzahn started the year off on the hot seat. I think he's cooled that off. Um, you know, we're already dealing with the LSU thing. Um, Texas A&M. I, I don't see any moves being made there unless someone can lure. Um, their coach away. So uh, are you seeing anything that could possibly happen in the SEC? No, I don't think so. I mean, Butch Jones, I think, is all right. Uh, I mean, everyone was geared up for uh, an SEC East championship. It didn't happen. They did knock off Florida. I think he has that feather in his cap he can carry for at least one more year. Things are going to get rougher for him next year without Josh Dobbs, but I think for now he's okay. Yeah, I, I, I think the SEC, I don't think you're going to see anything unless somebody leaves by surprise. All right, so here, you know. here's what we've done here, um, and, and we, could, we could do this in sections, but we've saved, we could save this and, and revisit it at a later date. Right now we've got job openings, all right, according to the official Gridiron Studs show, job openings, um, as we have forecasted, Texas, Houston, uh, LSU, Notre Dame, FSU, Arizona, Texas Tech, and UCLA. How do we feel about that? Yes, I think that would be a, I think that would be a fairly safe list of job openings and potential job openings. So we'll 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 leave it at that, and then uh, the next time we revisit this, we start trying to throw some names in these openings. Maybe we have an, an additional opening we could throw in there, but um, we'll. What'll we'll make it easier is once the first domino falls. Once the first domino falls outside of Herman to Texas, I think then we'll have a clearer understanding of what's opened and be able to make more intelligent predictions as to you know. Yeah, this might be a Monday thing. Where we're we, going with? Yeah, this might be a Monday thing. Yeah. It'd be cool to look back and see though where we uh, kind of threw some names around and see how close we got uh, when the actual dominoes do fall. I think that's going to be interesting. All right, there was some NFL football played 
on on yesterday and some interesting things that went down. You know, the, one of the first things I'm going to talk about, it wasn't the biggest thing, Amo, but the Cincinnati Bengals fell to the Buffalo Bills. And everyone likes Marvin Lewis. Um, but um, is, it, is it the end there for Marvin Lewis in, in, in Cincinnati? Is it time to move on? He might, have run, he might have run his course at this point. I mean, in this case, you know, I think not to totally excuse him, they've lost a lot of games at the end, which to me come, comes down to coaching and strategy. But they, they didn't re-sign Marvin Jones. They didn't re-sign Sanu. Both those receivers left. They gave. So basically, you know, they have nothing to help A.J. Green there. Now, A.J. Green's out for the season. I mean, they did a lot of things with their roster that are questionable for a team coming off a 12-4 and season. Um, you know, and typically they've had the, you know, the, the Bengals have been a notoriously cheap organization. So, you know, you question, I, I understand not resigning both those guys I mentioned, but you have to give A.J. Green somebody to help him there. So, you know, and just, so there's some things that I can't put to all, totally put on Marvin, but he may be just getting a little stale there. I mean, they're coming off a 12-4 and four season, and they're basically done after 10 games. I mean, they're 3-6-1. and one. They're not making the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, uh, a total disappointment, you know, from my standpoint. You know, I had them in the playoffs. I, had, I think I had them winning this division. And uh, that's just yeah. not going to happen there. It's just not look good for them. Uh, Steelers beat the Browns. I don't know how much we can make about that there. Steelers needed to get right. Uh, who better to get you there than the Cleveland Browns? Browns still uh, still holding strong for that possibility to go over on the season. Yeah, you know, the Browns are just one of those teams that that game, you know, they scored to get the score 17-9. They missed the extra point, one of 12 on the day, by the way, yesterday. 12 extra points missed on the day in the NFL. So they do that to, t- to put a real buzz kill on a touchdown. Now it's 17-9, and then in the next offensive possession, they get the ball. Their quarterback gets hit and fumbles, and the Steelers walking in for a touchdown, and it's uh, game over. I don't know what to yeah. make of Cleveland at this Browns point. They might go 0-16. Yeah, Browns football, yep. baby. I'm going to skip over the whole Jags Alliance thing and talk about two two contests here that were a little uh, surprising. Titans have been playing great football, I guess, uh, you know, to use this term again that you made a big deal about on Friday. They shot their load, I guess, against Green Bay because they went into yes. Indianapolis and just weren't um, competitive at all for most of the game. I mean, the final score looks nice, 24-17, but they were, they were handled by the Colts. Make no mistake about it. Yeah, they were. I mean, the Colts jumped out on 21 nothing, but then the Colts kind of did what they've been doing this year. Trying, they look for ways to let them back in the game. I mean, this game got down to 21-17 at one point, uh, the Colts eventually winning 24-17. But, yeah, the Titans came out of the gate and, and almost took them, you know, completely took themselves out of what they like to do by falling behind by three scores. I mean, they were still able to get DeMarco Murray 21 carries in this game, but I think, it, you know, that, you know they like to play close – to the vest and either play with the lead or be right in that game so they can run the ball more consistently. Uh, the Colts just own them. I don't know what to say. I think they've beaten like 12 straight times. They just own the, the Titans. Yeah, um, and, and, and I guess there's just no other way around that. And then uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, come on, man. You have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come into town in November, nonetheless, and beat you? That's just yeah. That was an ridiculous. odd game. I mean, that was just odd. I mean, the thing with Kansas City again, they're another team. They find ways to win. They usually do it with defense and special teams, which is fine. It's why they've been winning so much the last few years because that stuff never leaves you. But the problem with it is, they can't get enough separation in a game to necessarily 
pull away, and it leaves them they leaves them in a lot of games like this where they can lose at the end. So far this year, they've been winning all those games, and I think this is just one that was due to go against them. If that makes any sense to you, I mean, they're yeah, just, make, every game is right there. Me. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about here is Jameis Winston um, against a, gr- a pretty solid Kansas City defense. Uh, put up some pretty strong numbers that, you know, got to open your eyes here. 24 of 39, 331 yards, an outstanding day by Jameis Winston. I mean, they didn't find the end zone pre- perhaps as much as they would have liked to. But, uh, you know, I guess as we go along here, consistency is where it's going to have to be at for Jameis Winston. But in flashes and at certain times here uh, this season, he's shown that he could really, really be this guy. And then the other thing that he's doing, which he's always done, um, you know, as a quarterback, we remember this obviously uh, in his days at Florida State is very motivational um, and very good at getting guys to play, which, you know, s- several of his teammates uh, on the Bucks have commented about. Uh, so an outstanding job by him. And then Mike Evans coming up with six catches for 105 yards in their win over Kansas City. And, you know, the Bucks are right there. I mean, you know, right there. I mean, <laughs> as, as well as Atlanta's played this year, they're a game ahead of Tampa. I mean, you know, this is a Tampa yeah, team now, that, you know. The Bucks are five and five. Yeah, I mean, now, granted, well, I think what's kind of kept our eye off the Bucks is, other than that opening win against Atlanta, they ripped off three really bad losses in a row after that. I mean, and they, two blowouts to Arizona and Denver, sandwiched by a game they lost to the Rams at home. Uh, but, you know, pretty much, you know, they're in the conversation. Now, they've got to get hot and beat a few good teams at some point here. They have Seattle coming in this week. Uh, but, hey, if, you were, if you're a Tampa Bay Bucks fan and somebody told you after 10 games you'd be 5-5 five and five in a game out of first place, you would have taken it. Oh, absolutely, given what, you know, they've uh, gone yeah. through and, and what that franchise has been through. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about the Cardinals and the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings end a, a losing streak that they had here, and they take out the Cardinals. Game got a little bit interesting at the end, but the Vikings dominated most of the way. Are the Cardinals done? I, I think they're they're toast in what's uh, looking to be a very competitive Yeah, I think they're toast, and I'll tell you something that struck me, and I don't know if, you, if you're going to understand what I'm saying. I think you will. Do you ever see quarterbacks, as they get older, you kind of look in their eyes at a certain point, and you know when they're done? I get that feeling with Carson Palmer, with my man Carson Palmer. I think he's done. Um, Tell me what I, I watched. Just uh, well, uh, at the end of you know, give you the example. He threw thirteen ten at the end of the first half. Now they're complaining the guy was held. I watched the play. If the, if there was a hold, it wasn't egregious in my mind. But anyway, he throws an out on the down deep in the red zone. Xavier Rhodes picks it off, takes it a hundred yards to the house. Now. Even if the guy was slightly held, there was two Vikings there and one Cardinal, and, it, and he wasn't throwing the ball to Calvin Johnson in a jump ball situation. He just, it, to me, it was just a bad read by him. Um, it was a huge turning point in the game because at worst you're going from 13 all at the half to now you just throw a pick six. Okay, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a ten point swing. Later in the game, I watched the end of the game. There's about a minute and a half left. They're down 30 to 24. It's a fourth and five. I think they had a timeout left. And the Vikings pressured him. He was in the pocket a couple seconds, but he he just ran around and took the sack, and he didn't even throw the ball. And it just coming off the field, he had this look of a, a fighter who almost like got you know w- w- when they got punched too much, and you look and you say, okay, this guy needs to retire. That's kind of what I felt with Carson Palmer. His ball doesn't seem to have the zip on it. When I'm watching some of these these long throws he's making, seems to have a little bit of that arc going on. 
So I, I just think it might be time for them. I mean, he just keeps boxing. Maybe Carson just keeps on. <laughs> but Carson has $75 million in the bank. He's certainly not doing this for the money. So you may indeed be right on that one. So we'll just have to see where that goes. But a disappointing year for the Cardinals, nonetheless, given the, some of what they put together. Hey, Amel, don't look now, but the Miami Dolphins have uh, ripped off, ripped off, five straight wins here. And they were dead yesterday, okay? Nothing going on. It tend to nothing. Obviously, I was in transit, so I'm in New Orleans and uh, trying to have a meal and halfway paying attention. And all I keep seeing is 10 nothing. And I just said, all right, well, they, you know, Dolphins being what they've been over the last couple of years. And then, you know, somehow I end up in the car and I see 14 to 10 Dolphins win. Something magical going on or what? Yeah. It, you know, it may be, but i got to be honest with you. I read a funny article on Bleacher Report last night just sitting around on my phone, and uh, the guy said, listen, don't let 6-4 and four fool you. The Dolphins still suck. <laughs> wow, that's the title? Not so yeah. clearly. Well, let's look at this, though, Angel. Um They've got the 49ers next at home. Let's let's go ahead and stroke that one in the win column for them. So that's 7-4. and four. It's going to be very hard that. to beat the Ravens on the road make them seven and five. Then we've got the Cardinals who you said um, have a 66 year old boxer out there um, playing quarterback, but they still That's may the- have enough to beat the dolphins. That's the funny thing, but yes. Okay. It's a winnable game. I get you eight and five. Who knows what the jets are uh, when they take them on after that, but it is in New York. So we'll call it eight and six. Um, then you're at the bills. I think their season comes down to that bills game because we can just go ahead and say the Patriots are going to beat them at the end of the year. But, I don't know. Well, go look at the Dolphins' season. record playing. Go look at the Dolphins' record playing in Buffalo. First of all, listen. I'm I'm happy for the Dolphins. I'm glad they're good. I mean, as far as winning games, good. Um, you know, and they found ways to win at the end versus finding ways to lose. So that's definitely a step in the right direction for the franchise. But when you break down this this streak, I mean, Ajay went nuts against the Steelers. That was a nice win for them. They also benefited by Roethlisberger tearing his meniscus in the game, but still a good win. The Buffalo game, they found a way to win that game as much as, you know, Buffalo helped them. But they won a close game there. They won a close game against the Jets. A close, I mean, Phillip Rivers handed them a game with four interceptions in the fourth quarter, and they took it. God bless them. That's what you're supposed to do. And yesterday they played not good football against a rookie quarterback and found a way to win. So are they finding ways to win? Yes. Should you be happy your team is 6-4? and four? Yes. But I wouldn't get carried away with myself. There's nothing dominant about what they're doing. I'm reading bleacher reports. I'm going to just be positive at this point for the Dolphins, but we'll see where this goes and see where things shake out. I was less than impressed with the New England Patriots yesterday, I got to admit, even though Tom Brady put up another good stat game. What didn't you like? I mean, it was it was bad weather, though. What didn't you like about the win? They went out there and did what they had to do. Oh, you know, they're supposed to win impressively, especially coming off of a loss on primetime television against the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I wanted to see something really major. I, by halftime, I wanted to see a disgraced San Francisco team. But the Patriots needed to come up with 17 in the fourth quarter to make this thing look the way they needed it. Yeah, I, I hear you. I think that was just one of those games where it, it, it's a hard game, even coming off a loss, to get that interested in if you're the Patriots. I mean, I know they lost and they're supposed to do the things you said, but they also they read the paper like we do. They see the 49ers are 1-8. and eight. Um, they go out there, the weather sucks. Uh, you know, it could have just been one of those games where I, they seem to run blunt. He had a nice game. I mean, maybe they worked on the running game a little bit more than, than we would like. Um, I, I, so I see I, the I, pack. This is kind of what I expect. Go into games and work on stuff. 
like they're playing Northeast Washington. That Wasn't that you? basically what happened? Because at one point in the fourth quarter, they were up 20 points. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just calling me not impressed. I don't know. I don't you're, know where you're I You're tougher than me. Between me, killing, between me killing the buzz, between my buzz kill on the Dolphins' five-game winning streak and you crucifying the Pats, we're brutal this morning. You said the Dolphins still suck, man. What's up with that? Anyway, nevertheless. I didn't say uh, that. I read a headline that was on Bleacher Report. I did not say the Dolphins still suck. No, I'm going to paraphrase I'm glad the Dolphins are playing good local ball. listeners here. My man said the Dolphins yes. still suck. What's up with this guy? We're going to get him back. <laughs> I you did guys, not say you're, that. You're I'm glad the they're winning football games down Block the streets and start marches uh, for Amel. I mean, you just don't like the local Dolphins football team. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have our guy call in, our Tannehill fan call in and get on your case. Anyway, Eagles, Seahawks, oh, yeah. Seahawks continue to flex their muscle. Now, how about them off of a, a win like the one they had last week, coming back against the Eagles and putting up a strong performance? Yeah, I think I think that. Yeah, listen, the Seahawks are. I mean, we're only ten weeks in, and as they say, that's not very long in the NFL season, but. Right now, I mean, you have to say the way it's looking is the Seahawks and Cowboys are on a collision course. Yeah, it sure it sure looks that way. Now let's get to what went down last night, Emil. I've been talking about this for uh, the last couple. I was, you know, look, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna pat myself on the back and say, even when the getting was good, so to speak, for the Green Bay Packers, I saw the future, and that is, um, if you want to put everything on the quarterback's arm. And you want to refuse to run the football because I've seen this movie. I saw it in the 80s here with Dan Marino and the Dolphins. Eventually, the wheels fall off. Was I expecting this? Back-to-back weeks of giving up 40-something points? No. But this is kind of the byproduct of what you've got going on there. Your defense is on the field too long. They're getting frustrated. And uh, you're not able to run the ball. You can't close out games. You can't just get anything done. And now they're all over the quarterback, and here's what you get. 42-24. to 24. Well, some- on national TV, some of that defense, you know, they kept they kept running the the, the graphics with the injuries on defense, and yeah, I get that. But yeah, everybody's why did you get, those, why did you get those injuries? Well, because you're on the field all the time. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get that too. And what I'm saying is though, but these guys are still drawing a paycheck. They're professional players. There was stuff going on in that game. I mean, the 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 route Garcon ran for the touchdown. He didn't run a double move that I saw or anything. He just ran by the guy. I mean, it was like, and he didn't just run by him by a couple yards and, you know, somebody put the biscuit in the basket. I mean, he was 10 yards in the clear. I think these guys I'm, have I'm a case of I'm watching this guy. I'm like, what? I think they have a case of the effort. It's like, hey, uh, you know, whatever at this point. This whole we. Uh, I was looking for my name on the Packer jersey. I was late. Am I, am I having an out-of-body experience? Is Emil Calamino covering Pierre Garçon right now? Because that's what that looked like. Yeah, I think I think these guys are tired of the whole Aaron Rodgers and the Packers thing. So uh, they've got some major work to do there. Uh, quick passing in a hurry, and if they close out the season in this fashion, um, just getting embarrassed like this. I mean, after the Tennessee loss, I mean that's as embarrassing as it gets if you're the Packers organization, and you come back and do this again, you've got serious issues. I mean, you needed and to respond. Did you, how much of the game? Were you home to see the game last night? Were you no, home I to see parts but of it? Least? it. Yeah, I followed some of it. Okay, go watch some highlights. Here's what's concerning for me in this game. We could talk about defense. That's obvious. Forget that. You watch the offense. Everything's a struggle right now. I mean, Collinsworth was throwing around all this hyperbole about, oh, you know, uh, uh, Rodgers is getting hot now. Nothing looked easy in this game. 
Rodgers is in so many bad habits right now. He's throwing balls off his back foot consistently. I'm not talking about once in a while to avoid pressure. He's flicking balls with his wrist, not stepping into throws. His accuracy, I mean, here's a guy who used to be one of the best deep ball quarterbacks in football. His deep balls are not accurate anymore. I mean, they have big problems there. It's not just defense. Yeah, everything's uh, a mess right there for them. Real quick, Amal, I want to give you uh, my top five, and this is something that we do here on on Mondays. Uh, I'm rolling in with the New York Giants at number five in the NFL, and that's a tough one, too, because uh, there's several teams that could be competing for this. The Kansas City, I just, I can't do Kansas City, man. Not after you do that with the Bucs. Just can't. Yeah. I can't do it. Can't do it. So, um, you know, I thought about sticking Washington in there, especially off of what they did last night. But, you know, let's consider the state that the Packers are in. Uh, obviously, Atlanta's in there. Uh, they're a six and four football team, but they've played some tough games. Uh, and in Minnesota, but Minnesota's been dreck lately. And you know, they, you know, I'm I, I'm going to hold that losing streak against them. So I'm going to roll with the Giants. Um, number four, okay. Emil. I'm going to go with the Oakland Raiders. Uh, I had thoughts of putting them at number three, but I don't want to be that crazy about it. So I'm rolling with the Oakland Raiders, who, by the way, are just sitting here with only two losses on the season. I don't know if people really realize that. The only two losses on the season for these guys. Uh, the same amount of losses that you have going on right now with with uh, the other team that I have uh, at number three, which is the New England Patriots. Sitting there at number three, perhaps okay. some folks think they should be the number two team. I don't because they got beat by the number two team that I have on this list, and that's the Seattle Seahawks who are surging right now. And this is what championship-type teams do. This is that time of year you start putting it all together, and the Seahawks have done this over the last few years. And then – there's no denying the Dallas Cowboys who are sitting here right now with a league best nine and one record. And again, I'm going to point it out that one loss is by one point in the, in, in the first start ever for a rookie quarterback. There's no denying the Dallas Cowboys are the top team in the nation, in the NFL right now. You and I have two changes only in our top five. Uh, first at five, um, I, I'm going to put the giants just on the outside looking in with the chiefs and the Redskins, a couple teams right there that could just be almost in my top five, but I'm still going to put the defending Super Bowl champions in at number five, Denver at seven and three. Um, yes, I know they have some issues. Even with, with that quarterback, quarterback you're not, not feeling consistent. too much? No, nah, but you know what? It's just that defense is so good that, that I think you can, as they proved in the playoffs last year, if the running game gets hot, that defense, you can ride it for a while. And I think they'll clean up some of that stuff in the run game where they've been having problems. I'm going to put them on respect at number five. And like I said, Giants, Redskins, Chiefs, right there for me to get in the top five. I'm rolling with the, your number four of the Raiders. I'm liking them a lot. Uh, I'm rolling with your number three, the Patriots. I, I, I have to drop them a little bit, some things I don't like. Number two, I'm going to put my Dallas Cowboys at number two. Okay, right now. Oh, look and at this right guy. Now, look, I see what you're doing. Cut the BS. No, Come on, man. The way I'm they're playing right now. Stop. No, the way they're playing right now. That's what I'm ranking this on. I'm not. If, if, listen, if all I need to do is take the best records, I can run a report here on ESPN and say, "Give me the here's the top five. I'll read you the five best records." Uh, right now, with what they've done in their pedigree and the way they're playing. I'm going to give Seattle a slight edge. I didn't say that Dallas can't win. I didn't say Dallas might not someday be number. But right now, the way Wilson's playing, he's healthy again. I've got to put them in the number one slot for the time being. Emil Calamino, your team just had a big win on the road against the Pittsburgh Steelers, 
And in most cases where most teams would come back and just have a complete dog of a game, the Dallas Cowboys go out and handle the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, what are you trying to pull on our listeners here right now? What are you I'm trying not trying to, to pull anything. At the end of the year, I may flip this. And I, what I really want to flip you it is flip in it? Houston in the Super Bowl. But right now, the Seattle Seahawks scare the hell out of me. This isn't oh who's this isn't Halloween who scares Emil like just be legit be straight up the Cowboys come on man stop playing I'm around. being straight up nah, did you I'm see not... what the Seahawks did the last two weeks they beat the Patriots one up game in New just England. like Dallas you talk... yes but they came home and played a pretty feisty Eagle team and, and dominated them I I like what the Seahawks are doing right now that's oh, all I'm saying my goodness. I mean, what do the Cowboys have to do? Your Cowboys, what do they have to do to be the number one team? Tell, tell, tell us all right now. Inquiring minds would like to know. I will rank them number one if they win the Super Bowl. How's that? Oh, my goodness. I see where we're going with this one. Uh, I mean, that's just that's pretty amazing there, my friend, this complete dodge. Um, you're afraid to jinx your squad? Is that what this is? This is this No, is like, I'm already jinxing them, putting them at number two. They never handled yeah. prosperity well the last 10 years. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, here, uh, well, you know what? There you go. Um, that's, that's Amo Calamina for you. He says, How did you like my Cowboys yesterday, by the way? They looked pretty good, didn't they? After they got, uh, woke up after the Apparently first Apparently not good enough. They're the number two team in your top five. I'm not going to let this go, but <laughs> you're just going to keep hearing about this. My God. Go ahead, jinx them, my friend. <laughs> Nevertheless. All right. We made some picks uh, on some things this weekend. Uh, let's first talk about the fantasy football focus. Hey, I'm, hey, 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 you better watch out, Mr. Calamino. You better watch out. I'm rolling up on you right here. Um, I don't have a total for you on what, whatever it was Adams did last night. It wasn't a whole bunch, okay? But uh, I'm going to just talk to you he about – He didn't do much. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I, I think I gave you a point on that there. I'm still trying to run it down. But nevertheless, on my end, I went with Blake Bortles. Um, it's, it's rare that I would take a guy from the Jacksonville Jaguars, but he's playing the Detroit line. So I figured he'd make some headway. He had a decent day. Um, and from a fan duel fantasy points perspective, put up 14.38 points. Uh, I, I did go with my running back as JJ. I mean, why not? He's been red hot uh, as of late. Um, this is unhot as he's been, but still a decent day, a decent enough day. He didn't put up a complete stinker, um, in the game. So he did enough to get me. Uh, nine and 9.9 points. He rushed for 77 yards, didn't get in the end zone. Uh, probably not the greatest week to pick him, but nevertheless got him. Uh, and then I took the wide receiver, Jamison Crowder. And once again, did early work in the game. Um, and then they kind of just forgot about him from there on. But it was enough for me to get 17.7 points. So, you know, you're the accountant here, but I'm going to do a little adding up. And that all amounts to... What do we got here? 41.98. Okay, call it 42 points for me in this game. Back-to-back 40-point weeks. I'm telling you, Emily, you better watch out. I know. And by the way, just so you know, when you're counting mine up, Adams had 42 yards, so he had probably whatever they count that as, 4.2 points or something like that. Oh, there you go. Uh, An awesome day for Adams. But good. Tell us what your guys did. Not much. I had Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod went out and threw for 167 yards. I expected much more in that game, obviously. I thought that would be like a racehorse up and down the field game. I kind of agree with that. Once A.J. – well, that didn't work out, did it? Because he had 167 – Nine and a half fan duel points. Nine and a half points. 
And then I figured, you know, I I figured Hill would be more of a factor. And then once A.J. Green went out of the game, geez, I said, maybe maybe I can get something going here with Hill. Not a bad day. I mean, he had 62 yards, didn't touch the end zone. So, I mean, what do you have, seven points, six points? 7.3 points there for, for, uh, for Jeremy Hill. And then, of course, Devontae Adams, I don't know what's going on in Green Bay. I mean, if you're not going to have a big game, I mean, the Redskins secondary just lends itself to some big games this year. But Adams did nothing. I mean, he had a couple, actually, of those 40 yards, I think 30 were on one catch toward the, in the fourth quarter. He did nothing all day. And uh, Corral, yeah, 4.2 so points, so points there. How bad? Ends up being a 42-21 uh, win for your boy. That's a two, hey, I got Which put you one, now in prime position. Yeah, you're yeah. you're four, you're three and four, and I'm four and three. So you one more win, and we're tied. You got to yeah, beat me rolling, again, though. We're rolling up here. Let's talk about the NFL picks. Where I think uh, I think you bested me there. I took the Buffalo Bills, my lone win um, in this close game. We don't even know what happened there with Cincinnati, but nevertheless, I suspected something like this. Bills just playing better football, so I picked up the win there with the Bills. I went with Arizona. We talked about it. They didn't get the job done. And I picked the Packers, who laid down once again. So a one-and-two week for me. Where am I NFL-wise? Let me get the records up here for both of us, since we have to summarize. You are 17-15 and with a push. Uh, my NFL was – the last two weeks in the NFL have been good, 2-1 and one both weeks. Uh, I took Indy. I just went with the theory they own this this team and until proven otherwise – Let's roll with them. They got the win, got back to 500. I swallowed hard and took the Bears plus seven and a half. Good pick. Had a feeling that the Giants, yeah, coming off Monday night, I just had a feeling the Giants just don't win big. They're not a dominant team. They fell behind 16-6. Then the Bears remembered they were the Bears. Final score, 22-16 Giants. You're never outside the number in this game. Easy cover, though. And then finally, I took the Packers as well. Uh, they'll be on my do-not-take list probably for the rest of this season. Two and one getting my NFL record up to 13 and 18 with a couple pushes. All right. And the college football, uh, I went with Oklahoma, just felt like they were the better team in this matchup. And I just boiled it down pretty much to that. Um, I didn't expect such a one-sided affair, at least early on against West Virginia, but nevertheless, uh, I'm not going to complain. Oklahoma flexed their muscle there and uh, got the win. Kansas state, you know, I'm fond of Snyder uh, goes out and, and handles his biz, gets the win for me. And in the game I was the most confident in, uh, UCLA came out gangbusters, looked like this was going to be a 3-0 weekend for me, and then, you know, something happened. They remembered that they're playing against mighty USC, and uh, they took the L there uh, in this one of 36-14. So I ended up going 2-1. and Just can't get that 3-0 and in there. 2-1 and is everywhere, but where am I no, at? No, but you're 19-17, and 17 and your overall record for the year between both is 36-32. and 32. You've got a push hanging off the end there, so you're doing pretty good. Uh, my college, I don't know, I just can't. You know, I took West Virginia, obviously went against you in that game. We don't talk about the picks beforehand, so I took a mm-hmm. loss. Uh, I took another loss on Washington State. That was disappointing. I sent you a couple texts. I knew you read the game and you couldn't respond, but I knew you read them. Yeah. Uh, Mike Leach continues to be entertaining. His in-game management in big games uh, will always perplex me. We'll rules. have that discussion on Friday. He has his own own rules, and uh, I don't understand them. So that was a loss. And then my only win was I took the Gators plus 14.5 in that game against LSU. I just felt like they got all carried away in in what I thought would be a low-scoring game, and it was. One and two in college football, uh, fourteen and twenty-one with a push for me overall. 
27 and 39 and three pushes, you've got like a, an eight game lead on me. So <laughs> better have a yeah, hot streak. Something big needs to happen here for you, Emil. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. But nevertheless, always fun picking these games, watching them. I'm really glad that you got that one win in college football. Let me tell you. I bet you are. Yeah, very pleased to watch Aren't that win now? unfold for you um, live and in person. Well, um, we're also happy that you all tuned in and listened to us here. Have a fun edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. We're here. Uh, we're we're arranging all of college football um, and and uh, where the coaches are going to land. That's what we do. We have the power to do that here on this show. But nevertheless, a uh, good discussion on the weekend that was of college and NFL football. We thank you all for joining in and listening to it. Uh, I'm back on tomorrow at 10 a.m. Amol rejoins me on Friday. Maybe there may be some scheduling conflicts, but stay tuned. Uh, TBA to be announced on that. We'll talk about all that. Uh, no Thanksgiving show on Thursday, but again, uh, more of that on the rest of the week. But for Amol Calamine, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Great Iron Stud Show. See you guys tomorrow. recruits out there. You want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.